ungodly music. Oh my goodness. Ruth chapter 1. Amen. We're going to read verse, uh, and also, if you want to, the next place in Scripture will be is Micah chapter 5. Ruth chapter 1 and Micah chapter 5. We're going to start off this morning by reading Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was uh, the name of his wife Naomi. The name of his two sons Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. They took them uh, wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. In the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And I like this last verse a lot. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the, peop- how, how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them Bread. What a blessing that she heard of a place where God was feeding the people. And she not only desired to go there, but she went. Amen. Here at Hope Baptist Church, uh, God's feeding his people. And what a blessing to everybody that had a desire to come this morning. But so much the more that they went. And everybody here went this morning. Can we get a little bread from the word of God this morning? Can we have a mindset of saying, Lord, what would you have us to learn from your scriptures this morning? Not what the pastor is getting up or saying, what Dan Gunther has to say, but what the Word of God has to say. Amen. Amen. Brother Tony, did you uh, open the message in a word of prayer, sir? Amen. Point number one, things change. Look at, look at verse 1. It says, In the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. I, I didn't understand why they were called Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. Now, it's real easy to just keep reading, and, and so often I think that we do. <laughs> you know, that's a big word. Move on. But it bothered me that I didn't understand why they were called that because it didn't make any sense to me. And it was like an, an itch that I had to scratch, so I had to study it out, and I had to figure out why they were called Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. By calling them Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, that's like saying uh, Virginians in Texas, or far worse, uh, Michiganders in Ohio. Far worse. But that should give you an idea of what we're talking about here. <coughs> but if they were, they were from Bethlehem, why weren't they just called Bethlehemites? Or something like that, whatever they called them back then. Bethlehem ganders. <laughs> Amen. 
So with a little bit of study, I learned that a city in Judah named Ephrath or Ephratha was later named Bethlehem, which is why they could be from Bethlehem and still be called Ephrathites. And you say, okay, so what? Who cares, right? No, that was actually really, really encouraging. Uh, go, go to Ma- uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. All of a sudden, things start really lining up really quick. And all of a sudden, we start seeing the prophecy of the coming Messiah. And you say, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? This, we're studying the book of Ruth. I know, but just for a moment, look at Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but thou, by the way, this is a prophecy talking about Jesus Christ. But thou, <coughs> Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall uh, he come forth unto me that is in that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been for, from old, from everlasting. And you say, what's the big deal? It wasn't just a prophecy from Bethlehem, because there's a couple different Bethlehems, but prophecy specifically calling out that one specific Bethlehem, Ephrata. Amen. It's amazing that a Bible study in the book of Ruth can lead to the study of the birth of Christ. Amen. It's almost like the word of God is perfect from beginning to end, and it all correlates with each other. But so much like this family, Elimelech and Naomi and the boys, right? <clears throat> it doesn't matter what you're called. You'd be, be called uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem. You could be called Michiganders in Ohio. Uh, we could be called Christians. We could be called Waldensians. We could be called Anabaptists. It doesn't matter. We're Bible believers. Amen. Amen. So I'm looking at this journey they took, and it wasn't just little, some little journey. You know, from town to town, we're talking uh, 1,814 miles. So wherever they were going in those uh, provinces, it was uh, quite a bit of a walk. It was around that time. In, in, in a three-month journey, if they maintained 20 miles a day, which is not realistic, but if they spent 20 miles a day, that's three months. So I think if we were being kind of realistic here, talking about four to six months, Roughly, depending on who got sick, when they got sick, uh, what they encountered, what they had to go around, right? So four to six months, that's not just like, hey, let's go down to Belleville. <laughs> let's not go to Miss Darla's house. We're not going to the Vipines. We're talking, you know, half a year, potentially. Amen. And top it off, once they finally get there, Naomi loses her husband. Then ten years later, somewhere in that ten years, she loses both of her boys. And now all she has left is two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. Jesus said in Matthew, it rains on the just and on the unjust. Proverbs says, boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I was talking to Miss Darla yesterday over some good Tormino's pizza. But, you know, generations gone before us have seen way more death than we ever have. And I say that in total acknowledgement that I I haven't lost both my parents. I haven't lost my spouse. I don't know what that heartache is. I haven't experienced it. But I can say we deal with a lot less heartache as a whole than we used to in years gone by. Right. 
Miss Naomi is no exception. She's lost her husband and both of her sons. I literally cannot imagine what that is like. Several of us here have lost our spouses, and, and I can't fathom that. I, I, I can't picture what life would be like without Miss Rachel. <coughs> and you say, well, why are you, why are you saying this? What's your point? Because from the world's standpoint, Naomi had no reason to live. She had all reasons to quit on God from the world's standpoint. I'm so glad that God gave us his word. We have it in written form, praise God. And we know that Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all my need, shall supply all your need according to his riches by Christ Jesus. I'm glad that no matter what we go through, we have a God that knows all about it. And he will still supply all of our needs. Wow. I'm thankful that whether it's through death or sickness, financial hard times, God will take care of us. But in this story, there will oftentimes people say that they should have never left home. And that may be true. But it's also a lot of speculation and it makes for good preaching. <coughs> There's clearly applications about not leaving the will of God or the place that God has put you. But we don't know the exact reason that they left other than it was for famine. We don't know everything surrounding it. I, for one, respect a man that will go to great lengths to take care of his family, even if that means moving them to find work. That's not easy to do, just to up and leave home. Uh, we, we, our family, uh, during the recession, I'm... Uh, 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 we, I, <laughs> I have so much to say. I don't want to shoot that rabbit so much. But uh, long and short of it, I was working as many hours as I possibly could, and it still wasn't enough. And in one winter, we put $3,000 on credit card just to pay for gas and food. My side work could barely keep up with just paying our normal bills. Like, things happen. And we came to a point where, like, I, there was just no work. There's no work. And I had this guy in North Carolina kept saying, I give you two grand a week, come be a foreman for me. Came down to it, I went down there. Guess what? It wasn't no work. He's just trying to make himself look good. So, so I know what it's like <laughs> to be in a place of finan financial hardship, to literally have no money in a foreign place. I mean, it's not, I'm not comparing this to Moab. I'm just saying... I respect a man that tries to take care of his family, even if that means moving. I would have moved to North Carolina at least for a while just to, just to make some money to, to live on, pay my bills. So people really, really rip on Elimelech really hard, and, 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 I, and I get the applications and stuff, but he's also a man taking care of his family, and I respect that. First Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith in his worth. An infidel. My job as a husband and a father is to provide for my family physically, but also spiritually. And sometimes that means making great sacrifices. So here's a woman that was forced to leave her home due to <coughs> a horrible famine in the land. And then <coughs> all she has to show for it ten years later is her, her husband and her two sons are dead. So what's she supposed to do? 
What would seem right about this time, I know how long she had heard this. We can preach and speculate that for 10 years she should have went back. But at least we know that 10 years later she knew that God was giving harvest back in her hometown. They were eating again. They were, the Lord was giving them bread. And she said, I'm going to go back home because my Lord is feeding my people down there. Uh, <coughs> let's go back to our text. Start in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law <coughs> that she might return from the country of Moab. But she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. And I tell you, I get a blessing every time I just read that verse. Verse 7. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. They went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And by the way, at this point, they're all sticking together. And, and they all plan on going back to Naomi's homeland in Judah. But then here's a sudden shift. Verse 8. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. So here Naomi's telling her daughters-in-laws to go back to the families and Moab as well. Remember, Naomi is an Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah. She, she can find kindred back home that would probably take care of her. And for her daughters-in-laws, they're widows of Moab. They have a less of a chance to find men that will take them in being from Moab. Moab doesn't have a good name attached to it. At all, amen. Number one, things change. Number two, unsaved or unplugged. Can I say that conflict will always show your true character? Conflict will always show your true character. My, my I think maybe Tony said this the other day, or, or maybe it was Brother Beerman. It's something my dad always said growing up. Character is what you do when no one else is looking. That's the truth. That's the truth. What are we doing with our Bible when no one else is looking? Does it just sit in the corner, just sit in the car? Do we get stressed out easily? Our lack of character shows. Do we get mad easily? Our lack of character shows. When presented with the problem or a valley, what is your response? Your lack of character will always shine through. Or your character will shine through. Amen. So what are you getting at, preacher? I want to point out this morning, just for a few moments, look at the character response of Ruth and Orpah to what happens. Look at verse 14. And they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Between verse 14 and 15 at this point, and it's clear in the text, we'll read it in a moment, but, 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 Orpah kisses her mother-in-law, they weep, and she leaves. Now all that's left is Ruth and Naomi standing there. <coughs> By the way, I think it's very worth pointing out that the Bible uses the word clave here. That's not just like a normal word. That's like, you know, the same word that God used to describe when a, a man leaves uh, mom and, mommy and dad and go cleaves into his own wife. That's a strong word. 
uh, 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 Miss Ruth clave unto Naomi. Look at this, verse 15. This is the, the telltale verse here. And she said, Behold thy sister. This is Naomi talking to Ruth now. And she said, Behold thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Little G. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. You know, what does that say about Orpah? I, I want to say Oprah so bad. It looks like every time I read that. I know we're all thinking the same. Amen. <clears throat> but what does that say about Orpah? It doesn't sound like she was a child of God. Or, or at the very least, she lived a shallow life for the Lord. For, for if it was that easy for her to go back to her God. I cannot imagine losing my wife and children and then going back to the world just... If my wife and children died, then, <coughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done with you, Lord. Goodbye. I'm going to go back to worshiping God. I'm going to go back to the world. I'm going to go back to the ways. Forget all this God of Abraham stuff. To have the mindset and the mentality to go back to your, the gods of Moab means that she wasn't saved or she was so backslid. She was just so immature, just a baby Christian that never grew at all. What one... Uh, putting their tiptoes in, in, in the things of God just enough to maybe get a husband. I don't know. That's a sad state of affairs. Look at verse 16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. She went on to say, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord uh, do so to me, and more also, uh, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw us, Naomi, and when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her. I know a young man that went out on a date with a church girl. This girl was faithful to church. She went to church activities. Great. But once you start getting past the surface thing, you realize, oh, you don't like any gospel music. You only listen to hip-hop and R&B, whatever that stuff is. All of a sudden, the things that you want to talk about have nothing to do with godly things. She might have been saved. She might have been saved. But for sure, it's such a shallow Christian life. She's already in the world while going to the church house. So now when things happen in her life, and she, who knows, but now at, at this point when things happen in her life, it'll be so easy for her to be like, oh, I'm going back to, going back to the world. I did the whole God thing. I'm done. That's what Orpah did here. I'm not discounting the heartache that she went through. But she went back to her gods of Moab. And, yes, there's more to be said for that. I mean, Maybe Chilion and, what's his name, Melon? Maybe they ought not have been looking for Moab wives anyways. Maybe they ought not have even been in Moab anyways. I don't know the whole story. I don't like to preach things that are in between the lines. When there's no verse there, and the preachers act like there's a verse there. Amen. I believe that we have a lot of Christians that's living like Orpah. 
Maybe living for the Lord as long as my spouse is around. As long as people are looking, I'll live for the Lord. Or maybe living for the Lord as long as my life doesn't get turned upside down. As long as things go my way, I'll live for the Lord. There's two entirely different character responses between Ruth and Orpah. Orpah was either unsaved or unplugged completely, having a shallow walk with the Lord. You know, to the Christian that plays church, and the Christian that <coughs> goes through the motions, isn't it about time we stop playing? <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I, I can probably block out even some years of time. <clears throat> Preteen, young teenager, where I was going to church, but my mind wasn't in the message. I'm just thinking about whatever was going to happen. Oh, man, I was going street preaching. Uh, I would go uh, sewing on Monday nights. <clears throat> what was I looking forward to? I was, I was looking forward to playing music after soul winning. Just telling you where my mind was. I was in things, and I was part of things, and I was active in church. I wasn't necessarily rebellious, but I wasn't plugged in like I ought to be. I think there's way too many Christians like that. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6, 2. We'll close here. <coughs> Can I tell you this morning that we're all going to be resurrected one day? You say, what are you talking about? Saved and unsaved. If, if Orpah was unsaved, she's going to be resurrected. If she was saved, she'll still be resurrected. But we all are going to spend an eternity somewhere. Some will go to eternal life. Some will go to eternal damnation. But either way, we're going to be spending an eternity somewhere. Can I tell you this morning, if you're not saved, today's the day of salvation. Right. For 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he saith, I have heard <clears> thee <throat> in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, <clears throat> now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're unplugged and only serving God on the outside. Why don't you make today the day that you get serious about serving the Lord? <clears throat> you know, I, I deal far too many times with Christians that are living in the valley, and they live perpetually in the valley. They don't even know what it's like to, to be singing <clears throat> in the land. <clears throat> I don't believe that was so much a picture of salvation, although we can apply that. They were saved when they crossed over the Jordan River, man. They were saved, but they spent 40 years living in the symptom of their sin. When they crossed over into Canaan land, I believe that's more of a picture of, I'm surrendering my life to you. We use the term, I gave my life to Christ. It's such, <clears throat> I get it. That's great. But that's not always necessarily do that. I believe that some people get saved, they give their life to Christ. But I also believe there's a lot of people that get saved, they do not give their life. They accept salvation. They want to flirt with the world. I believe Canaan is walking into Canaan. We sing about it in the hymn books. It's not really, Canaan isn't representative of heaven so much as it is uh, the consecrated Christian. I'm going to give my life to the Lord. 
Maybe we need to step into Canaan land this morning and get serious about our walk with Christ. This is really an intro to tonight's message. But man, applications that we can pull from Ruth and Orpah. It ought to make us stop and think, where is our Christian walk with the Lord? Who would we be like? We want to go with, we would be like Ruth and go with Naomi to back and to serve the God of Abraham. Amen. Or go back, go to Moab. You used to come from out of your sin with those little gods. We're going to have a moment of invitation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, <coughs> help us to glean from your word. Help us to soak it up and help us, Lord, to draw nigh to you. And-